0: I don't know what it is about the pandemic everybody is riding bicycle now so yeah i know i saw your bicycle there so yeah. a couple of guys were riding bike and they they invited me to come I'm like bro man i'm not i'm not i'm not about that like <laughs> yeah, yes <laughs> All right so uh today on life on purpose um I've got my brother uh Dami uh, aka Mr Dimension um and um I've been fortunate to know demi for uh, what 6 years now is it yeah maybe we'll on year 6 yeah
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it's almost yeah. 6 years now uh since he brexited if if yep. that's a word he basically uh and that's part of what we'll be talking about today and today we'll be talking about brexit and 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 really you know living in a multicultural uh, multi-generational uh, environment and also living a multicultural multi-generational life yeah uh, living in one and living one like that so um without further ado let me uh have dammy Kennedy just uh, share a little bit about himself and we'll jump right into the Q a dammy
1: Yes, my name is Damia Daria, uh aka Mr. Dimension. I am a, a husband, uh a father, um a leader in my church and also a studio owner owner and entrepreneur. Um and I am British a British born Nigerian living in the United States for the last yeah almost six years. And yeah, that's 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 me. <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah. No. So
0: I appreciate that, and you know, you you're you're being modest. So Damien says he's a leader in a church, and you know, that's think, <laughs> more context. So we uh, we, we both um, uh, we both serve in Glory House, which is a, a parish of the Regime Christian Church of God in Collegeville, yeah. Texas, uh, and Damien is our music director, um, amongst other things. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because yep. Damien, we we're just talking about how he wears multiple hats. I mean. Dami's I mean, got a, as he alluded to, uh, a studio, uh, which is a full-time studio where you can um, record music, um, podcasts just like this, and, and other uh, audio-based content. And you've been doing that for some time, and you've really grown that business. And so, yeah. um, you know, you're being modest when you say, I'm a leader in my church. You are the music <laughs> director. And yep. so if, you ever, if you guys ever log on to uh, to listen to our service and listen to the praise and worship and all of that. um the man behind the women and the men and all of that. Dummy, I do And you know, and, and again, you're 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 being modest because Dummy is a you know um, multi awarded um, music producer. Um, he's written songs as well. Dummy, I'm going to ask a question. So today oh. there were some announcements that went out. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, share a little bit more about that. I don't, this. Now this podcast will be. Published after the fact, but share a little bit more about some of the good stuff that, that went out today before we. Yeah, so the,
1: the, I had um, um, I did, I did. The Grammy nominations came out today. Didn't yeah. get nomination, but you know, a, a couple of the artists that I work with were considered. So that you know, the way the Grammys work is kind of like politics in that there were different rounds, uh, different rounds of which the members vote for, right? right. So just like you know the the both parties will vote for their party leader um right. have the the voting members vote you know until it gets yeah. to a smaller um number and then those people are the nominees so a couple of nominations came out and a lot of my colleagues that um i'm close with were nominated and a lot of them for the first time um, and a few of them for the first time as artists, you know. Yeah. You know, for the Grammys, you can be uh, nominated as a songwriter, an engineer, producer, anything involved with the creation of that uh, song or project, you can get nominated. So um, it's, it's great for me knowing that I'm heading in the, in the direction. What seems to have been happening is like every year, uh, let's say before I was like five removed from somebody who. Is nominated or wins a grammy when i say five removed five five people removed maybe right. i know a person who knows a person so now yeah. like one room like friends of mine are now yeah. getting nominated and now winning so it it, it it it's inspiring it is inspiring so it's like awesome. okay i'm That's getting awesome. close you know it's 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 not a motivation for me it's, it's one of the perks of doing what we do
0: mm. it's not
1: what drives me but it's it, it's always great you know being recognized uh by your peers you know and 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 the, so far the grammy is you know the highest uh you know um winning a grammy is the highest thing you could do in the music industry so um, yeah, getting in the right direction so it's cool
0: well well big ups on what you do and how you are uh, really helping folks create um you know, things that god has put within them um and and you know a lot of credit goes to the artists that we hear uh, yeah, but, yeah. but if you know music you know that exactly. i mean there, there's an engine that runs um the pretty lexus or the the, the nice bentley that rose it, it's an engine that runs it and so kudos yeah. to you on that
1: yeah. oh definitely yeah. yeah and i have the privilege of uh, working with some amazing eyes yeah yeah awesome so One of the first questions I want to ask you,
0: and and this stares off uh, how I break off life on purpose and the folks that have listened to me for some time and the podcasts or read my uh, blogs or content, um, I work off uh, six F's um, at the time and and my wife keeps teasing. It's like, okay, no, I'm sure number seven is coming soon, but it's faith, faith, fitness, family, focus, finance, and friends. It's faith, family, focus, finance. And friends, and and when you think about you know um, the topic for today, which is Brexit, um, yeah. and the idea is you know you you were born to Nigerian parents, yep. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you grew up, um, and you and you've talked about this uh, quite often as we've discussed. You grew up um, in a home where your grandmother was present. Um, um, you lost her this year, so sorry about yep. that. Thank very you. Very in your life. Uh, may her soul rest in peace. the, the, the couple of times I had the pleasure of meeting her. She was yeah. full of life. I could see where you, yep. you got a lot of your things. And oh, so, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, she's she's certainly uh, a historical figure um, in a lot of cultures, I, I must say. Definitely. Um, and, and so you grew up in that environment where you, had, you were raised by a Nigerian prince, had your grandmother, who is probably a post-war, if you were looking at generation, maybe she's an early boomer. But your yep. parents are certainly boomers. Right. You know, yep. um, you know, and, and when you look at the years of generational descriptions, you know, the boomers are the 46 to 64, um, you know, and then you've got the Gen X's, um, yep. which is 65, 1965 to 1980. Um, yep. And then you have the millennials, which yep. um, you know you and i fall in that category and i i'm happy to say i'm in that category because sometimes folks <laughs> be like you sure you're not a gen x i'm like no nah, man
1: like, i'm not that old yet although you'd be making it look like yeah, that i I'm do not- <laughs> yeah, i i'm, I'm <laughs> on the i'm on the younger end of the millennial <laughs> oh yeah 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 but hey the, look the, the last five years
0: yeah i know these oh, yeah. are coming so you know you think oh, the gen, gen z is From a number standpoint, is nineteen if you were born nineteen ninety seven to twenty twelve. So here's my question for you personally: being born a millennial, um, growing up with boomers in 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 Europe, right in in Britain, and then coming to America, would you say there's really a difference within those generations, depending on what where you grow up? Is there a difference between being a millennial in America? um, versus being a millennial, um, in, in Britain from your perspective,
1: Do you know what? There are a lot of similarities. And I, and I think, I guess in a way, I think anyone who's grown up in the Western world will have a lot of similarities. And I, and I think that was one of the main things that, um, I learned coming here, um, particularly with black people, um, especially, you know, for us in the UK, a lot of, uh, what we grew up on in terms of t v shows and music was mainly from black America, mm. so one of the things I noticed coming here was that you know when when we would talk about our childhood shows and favorite shows and favorite things favorite songs or and stuff like that, a lot of that was um the same, you know mm. you know, whether it was uh, my wife and kids uh Bel um, different, Fresh
0: Prince
1: of when you speak to the average um particularly for the average black person in the UK and um, the black person over here when we think about the 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 films and uh, and music we, we we grew up on is very similar now obviously being uh, a British Nigerian there's there's also an element of um, the Nigerian culture that I was privy to. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I didn't live there, you know, Nigeria came to me mm-hmm. <laughs> in the form mm-hmm. of my grandma, as you mentioned. Um, but I, I would say that there's similarities between being a millennial um, in the US and the UK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say that there are, you know, and, and there are, there are some things um, when it comes to our, our generation that binds us together, which means that we have somewhat shared experiences growing up, especially for us experiencing so much change in technology right. um, and, um, and, and and experiencing all of those changes. I think, especially if you in the in the Western world, um, those are things that we, we do remember, you know, and, and with some of my cousins in Nigeria, their experience wasn't the same because of you know it's a, the slower development of technology so certain things that were introduced was later on um for them in terms of their age you know got it and what they experienced so i find that even i find you know depending on what we're talking about i do find common ground with both uh, americans mm-hmm. uh, and then nigerians but a different a different, um, I always say that I'm, I'm somewhat privileged, um, and I, I'm, I'm somewhat unique as well. Being um, a black British person who has access to, you know, the Nigerian culture, been there four times, but then lives in the U.S. So uh, I've experienced, I ha, I, I'm privy to, you know, different people's experience and different people's ways of life and what uh, different, different, the reality for some people and how it may differ. Um, you know, so I, I do think I I do feel, see myself as somewhat privileged. So, I, I find similarities for, from from the three of those places that, you know, are now they all make up who I am, including who you are. Yeah, being, uh, being in America because yeah, I've moved I moved to at twenty five and I'm now thirty one, and I think twenty five to thirty has to be the most drastic period of my life
0: <laughs> you know i would i would i would echo that for me it was also the time where i got married um transition careers uh really more of a going from a, a worker bee to um leadership uh yep. had the opportunity of um you know birthing uh, my first son
1: all of that just a lot of stuff happened right. was, that so, that all happened for me too yes 18, yes he yeah, became yeah. a father twice yeah. Uh, yeah. Relocated, got married, like, yes. you know, became a business owner—all uh, of those things happened. So when I compare my life between 25 and 30, mm. there's nothing that's the same. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. So one of the things you did, which I appreciate, is I'd asked you, you know, differences, and you actually focused more on similarities. So that's kudos to you on that. In that, you know, you you looked at uh, one might say glass half. Full versus empty, I and so my way yeah. of life. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is a big thing. That is something that folks should take away from this. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so as you spoke to the to the similarities, you spoke to um, how that p- possibly uh, helps you connect with people wherever they are. Um, I'm a huge fan of John Maxwell. I'm actually a John Maxwell certified uh, coach, life coach, and John teaches um, on on meeting people where they are. He teaches on marketplace ministry. In other words, you go to people. We we, we read in the Bible um, that Jesus was out and about, you know, and the Great Commission was, go and make disciples of all nations. That's Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go. Did not they sit back in your home? It says, go and make disciples of all nations. So thank you for connecting that similarities on the importance uh, of of connecting to people um, by finding similarities. I do want to kind of just touch back on um, maybe the generation before. Um, I will come to uh, the Gen Xs? Because um, you and I work uh, quite often, uh, well, the reality of America today is most yeah. of the folks that are in leadership roles are, right. the X boomers X. are falling off. Yes, it's yeah. mostly Gen Xs, right? Yeah.
1: Retirement, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's mostly Gen Xs and there's a different way to, to, to uh, we'll camp on that. But before yeah. we go to that, let's touch back on your grandma. Uh, yeah. Your grandmother was amazing. And she was a boomer. How do you think that uh, that might've impacted your optics in life, her, her way of life. And, um, you know, some of the things that she might've instilled in you, how has that played a part in your optics, um, uh, in life and working in, uh, closely with other people?
1: Yeah. Um, I learned a lot from her, you know, and I lo- I learned a lot about, uh, the realities of colonialism also, mm. uh, because my my, my my grandma's teachers were actually all English, yeah. um, so I remember, um, you know, when you know, growing up, you know, maybe I would speak in sl- slang and she would correct me on my, you know, my English, um, but she also spoke about her, the the you know the realities of living in you know that era, right? You know and. Um, you know, how, you know, weren't allowed, they weren't allowed to speak their dialect in school, just English and, you know, and she will tell me there were areas in Nigeria that looked just like London, but they didn't have access to those places. So it opened my mind up to, you know, how the journey she had been through, you know, mm. to, to be who she she is at that, at that point. And, and it, it kind of negated everything she did so. Even though she came to London, she was very, uh, she was very particular about us knowing from where we came from, um, and she would, and she was very particular about us knowing the culture, and everything she said and did. It gave me an indication of, you know, how she saw life. You know, one of the things she wanted, she she wanted me to learn how to cook, learn how to do house chores. She didn't want that to be left to just my, I have younger sisters who are four years younger than me. She didn't want them to be, to to be left, you know, and for her, it was like, you, you have to be domesticated. Like, you have to know how to do this by yourself, you know, how to, you know, despite knowing that, okay, things may be different in London, but it it, it struck me that she had a vision, particularly for me, um, being her first grandchild. So a lot of, a lot of discussions, a lot of things. She got. I, I felt that, you know, it was like an opportunity she didn't know she would have because we lived in London. But when she went, she she grabbed it with both hands to say, "Okay, this is my first grandchild, my first grandchildren." Because, you know, my sisters also, uh, after me, they're the eldest. Knowing that she got to 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 know us and practically raise us, I saw how much that that meant to us and she i loved her way of uh, you know correcting with love my grandma was somebody cool. who, she could correct you and really go at it but the next minute the moment you apologize the next minute she's not still like salty about it she's she her her discipline was not out of anger it was out of love and i and she made me realize what that meant meaning she would explain why this was wrong you know and she was very particular about don't do this and and she was also very particular about saying, you know, the outcomes of bad decisions, (laughs) you know, consequences, the reality of consequences. And, And these are all concepts that, um, I really, uh, in my adult time, I really, you know, appreciate as well as knowing how to, in a way for people like myself who born in Britain, um, but Nigerian having to almost kind of code switch between the realities of navigating life, um, in England, but also knowing that when you're in a in space with predominantly Nigerians, there's a different set of codes, um, that you wow. have to apply to. And sometimes that's hard, but I think she made that easier for me, um, knowing, you know, but it, If I contrast that between, you know, let's say my white friends, for example, who don't necessarily have to think about code switching, uh, or even some of my black friends who are maybe of Caribbean descent, but their family have been in England for a couple of uh, generations. Um, You know, the, the code switching was just less of a thing. Well, I think for I'd I see for me and my friends, it, it it is something that when when you're in your mid-teens is a bit hard, and then you just get used right. to it, you know, and that's yeah. different from, you know, everyone's individual family dynamic. This is solely right. just ec- cultural expectations, which differ from when you're navigating life um, in school, in the workplace, and then at home, or uh, even if you go to a predominantly Nigerian church. That's right. you also have to consider it's not just christianity it's christianity plus your nigerian culture
0: culture and, yeah
1: how to uh toe the line you know mm. and be careful you know you can't let's you can't rebuke some uh, someone older than you using mm. scripture because you're gonna um you know, cross a line culturally, you know? <laughs> so it's just different things, Solid. being a, a Brit, a yeah. Brit uh, Nigerian, British, a British Nigerian, Yeah. You always have to kind of make sure that you're not too far on either end. <laughs> yeah. So
0: you know what, Demi, this is awesome. This is perfect. You actually, you know, so I started off saying the concept or uh, topic I'm using is Brexit, but you know, yeah. I feel like I'm going to change this to code switching because it's yeah. it's kind of what we're talking about. It really is. Yeah. And that was the intention I had, which is, you know, you, you have, you, you pointed it out. I want to unpack a lot of what you just said as we spoke about your grandmother. Yeah. Um, you pointed it out that, um, you know, you were unique. You are unique. You are fortunate to have different people be a part of your life in an early stage. Your yeah. grandmother, who probably was a post-war, if we were to describe generation your parents being boomers um you know so you had those factors involved and and her being um you know a post-war person from a generation standpoint um experienced colonialism early like she was she she lived it it was her story yeah um and so as a result of that you know even in that era um you know they they had to possibly probably code switch um to the point you made there were parts of Nigeria they were very London like, but there yeah. were parts that probably weren't. And so she also had to learn the difference and how to speak in one sphere versus another. And, and coming to the UK and spending time with you all. Um, you know, she thought it was important for you to be multi uh multi-skilled, multi-knowledge. Um, yeah. just haven't been domesticated as opposed, you know, kind of like the colonial man would have been, yeah, as opposed yeah. to the African man who wouldn't do anything. So, exactly. the, so so, that was something. And then you touched on, uh, you know, some of the things that she did that you appreciated. Um, she, you know, she helped you understand the importance of consequences, um, like your actions, you know, there are consequences for action, but she also corrected with love. Um, yeah. and, and the question I want to bring from all of that unpacking is camping on that last one, correcting with love. Yeah. Would you say um, that that is possibly specific to that generation and that's the post-war generation and maybe it's maybe it's because she was your grandma do you feel like maybe the late boomers and the gen x's do you feel that they understand the importance of correcting with love
1: do i feel the um the boomers and the
0: yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe the late boomers. Go, go more Gen Xs, so like the 1965s to 1980s. And here's where I want to connect that is, as we talked about you know, the reality of leadership today, most of the leaders in, in, you know, in America are in that Gen X range. They're between 41 yeah. and 56, uh, more so in their 50s, right? Do you feel that there is an understanding of correcting with love? And how do you think that, that that's
1: different uh, from the post-war era? Do you know what I've I've always wondered? I've to answer your question, no. I, I think um how about I get I don't get backlash for this, but I, uh, I you wouldn't. <laughs> this is we got it. we had to so
0: here's the thing, dummy. We yeah. have to have these discussions, right? And if folks really wanna, you know, go if we really wanna unearth some of the the barriers keeping us from progressing as a people if we really want to overcome those obstacles yeah we really really need to get down to the root. and, and yeah. in some cases you know your perception um and, and I, i'm not the uh, subject matter expert but your perception um someone might perceive as wrong but i hope that listening would have them thinking on how right. to address things differently right if they don't know where everyone's if we don't if i don't know where uh you and I are millennials, right? But if I don't yeah, yeah. know where the Gen Xs are coming from or where the boomers are coming from or where the post-war folks are coming from, you know, relatability will be hard. And so that's that's part why. So go for it.
1: Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've often thought that, yeah, no, they they don't, not all of them understand the concept of correcting with love. and And I, and I think it's not all their fault. I think... The generation before them went through a lot and i don't know if they had time or the space to communicate the reasons why they were so hard on them Mm. um, because of the reality of what they were going through you know Mm. um, just as a generation Um, and globally um, you know for many of them my grandma for example was born in the 40s so no matter where you are, many of them were still recovering. Either they were, either they were recovering from, or um, well, still in colonialism. Yep. Or in the West, recovering. World War II. Recovering from the Second World War. So just in general, you know, and then I think the Great Depression was in in America was in the forties. Also, I, I think um, that time. So in general, that time it was uh, it was almost a time of recovery in a in a way um i think now now i feel like the gen um exes uh they they got the brunt of a lot of their parents um how would i put it i th- i feel like their parents were harder hard on them in love mm-hmm. but I don't know if we, as a as a people, have got to the point where communication between uh, the child and um, the parent was really a thing. And when you know growing up, you think it's a Nigerian thing, but as you get older, Mm. you speak to people of other um, places, you realize that oh, no matter whether you're Nigerian, American, or British, there there was a there was a big Disconnect between the parents and the children when it comes to communication. They 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 it was not the, the the dynamic that you had with your parents, you don't question, neither do you expect any kind of rationale for your parents' uh, decisions or lack of decisions. You you just had to accept everything. So now obviously as as a people, things have changed. Um, millennials, we question everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah, we question yeah. everything and we want explanations for everything. And we, it, it kind of, for, for us to receive information, we, we we kind of need it to make sense to us. Um, so you have, you know, you have a portion of Gen X's who are just re- replicating what their parents did. And they feel like, you know, I turned out well. On the surface of it, they did but if you look at other areas of their life um when it comes to dealing with uh you know relationships or different aspects you'd find that just mentally and emotionally not all of them um not all of them are okay you Ooh. know not all of them are, are okay um you know funny enough our generation were actually having less children out of wedlock you would never believe that even we're having less ch- children period but the gen x's had a lot of children out of wedlock you know they had a lot of children uh, and this is not this is not uh regional it's generational um even in the u.s the the last uh census they did they found out this was the um in the last in the history of when they've been doing the u.s census uh this is the lowest dip in population growth in the history of, you know, and it to, to give you an indication of how, how much things have, have changed and things we can attribute to different you know generations and, and stuff and stuff like that. But a point I wanted to make okay, now I'm almost forgot the point I wanted to make.
0: No, I think you were trying to here's what I thought you, I was taking out of that that there might have been a disconnect in uh, in communication between yeah. the generation before them yes. and their generation. So, so they were loved, but they maybe not have, they didn't necessarily understand.
1: Yes. There was no communication. At there was no the, communication. Discipline so, that came with the it. love that they, they, for many of them, they filled, they filled in the gaps themselves mm. based solely on actions. Mm. Whereas for, for us, Millennials, most of us need a bit more than that, just because, and a lot of, and I think how fast things moved and developed for us, the internet, I think has uh, contributed to that. Yeah. I mean, because as times have gone on, where we get information has, you know, vastly increased. Whereas before, Gen Xers, where they get information from is their parents and their teachers, pretty much that's it. That's it. Uncles. There was no place out of them to get that information, or maybe the barbershop. Right. But fast <laughs> forward, I love that. Fast forward to our time, you know, and that's why I have empathy for them because, you know, and for us, because we're gonna get it too as young, you know, parents. When you're raising children, you know, the boom is when you tell your child something your word is bond, like right. there was no other place they were getting information. Fast forward to Gen X's who are now raising millennials, they're now in that place where they're, what it means to be a parent changes as they become parents. And now what they knew based on how they were raised is pretty much no more. Mm. And, not, and they find that not everything is transferable. And that's not to do away with how they were raised, but deciding what's transferable and what isn't is the hard part. Because as you're trying to do that, you also try to provide financially. Not every parent, not every Gen Xer has the moment, the time to pause and realize that, okay, our parents raised us this way based on their reality and they did what they could do, right? Yeah. What things can I take from that but what things are different that aren't transferable? One, because it's a different generation. Two, for some of us, it's a totally different country, you know? you know? So knowing how do I give the tools my child needs to navigate this generation and this country, you know? And there is a burden on parents to, to be engaged in a way that their parents didn't have to. Now you have to be on the internet, you have to have somewhat an idea of the information that's out there so when you know how to combat that as a parent. And these are all things that the Gen Xs didn't have, they're learning on the fly, whilst being um, in positions of leadership or parent. So it's easy for them to somewhat have a chip on their shoulder because you have these millennials who are reading every and anything. And are challenging everything they say, pretty much. So, so Danny, this is perfect. I, I love how you
0: you describe it. And and then I want to go back to you know the term code switching. You yeah. know, it it's as though that you know you were blessed as a millennial to be to have your your grandparent your grandmom uh, around who well, was probably um, uh, 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 kind of like a post-war, uh, early boomer, very early boomer, if any. And so she taught you code switching. She taught yeah. you the importance of, all right, this is who you could be here. This is who you need to be here. And yeah. she communicated that to you. Yeah. Um, now that's on one end. On the other end, we're talking about Gen Xs who their parents were also, you know, because that's your grandparent, right? Their parents were your grandparents. Who yeah. would, you know... Um, probably early boomers, post-war, but it seems as though what you got from those same people, they didn't get it. Yep. And, and, and the why to that, I, I don't know that we can unpack that in this in the time we have here, but it seems like it's the the love with communication might've skipped a generation. Definitely. Now, here's the question. Here's the question, because you touched on where I was kind of going next with it, which is, <laughs> You know, as we code, as, as, we, as we talk about their reality of maybe not being able to code switch as quickly as um, the millennials are uh, able to. You, again, yeah. you know, we're talking about Brexit. You're a British-American born to American, I'm uh, born to, I'm sorry, you're a British-Nigerian yeah. born to Nigerian parents and you live in America. Yeah. So, Funny enough,
1: I'm second generation. My dad was born in England too. My granddad here. migrated in the 50s. <laughs> look it. so so look it. So you actually
0: so but your mom was your mom first generation uh she she married yeah, Nigerian,
1: yeah. So she Nigerian. When she was 19. Yeah, so look it. it. So had, you had actually 22. you're a true
0: melting pot.
1: You have yeah, basically you have
0: a lot of folks that that have been from different eras, different cultures, different locations that have been factors to your life. So yep. so you now have children and I think that's generation alpha, maybe my son who's seven years old is more of the generation alpha. Um, and they have, um, they will have more information at their fingertips than I, you know, a millennial would ever have, you know, and, and that's their reality. And so, you know, kind of just moving, moving the timeline forward and seeing yep. that maybe some of the things that we look to our Gen Xs to say, well, maybe you should have corrected me in love um, and maybe you should have, understood code switching. Do you think that we're gonna have that same issue with our children? Do you think that, you know, our children will have more information? Well, first off, I believe they will, but do you think them having more information than we, do, we currently do, do you think that would be a problem in this whole uh, correcting with love?
1: Um, yes and no. I do think that uh, millennials, we have a lot more tools to deal with that change than our parents did. Um, because of the internet, because of the information we have, um, because uh, of our attitude towards uh, therapy mm. and with stuff, you know, emotionally and mentally, uh, counseling—it's um, you know we're we're a bit more we, we're a bit more willing to uh, to so, to seek to you know unpack certain things that we know we may have been affected by subconsciously, um, you know, so that we don't um, impact our children negatively. Um, So I think because of the the information we have, we're we're a bit more equipped to handle, and because we're a generation that experienced so much change, we understand how uh, volatile it can be um, for our children, to go through that same change, we understand how volatile the internet can be, and we understand we have a concept of that world because you know whether we like it or not, the world is on the internet and probably will always be, with some um, shape or form. So, I think we are better equipped to um, to handle that. We we will still find it difficult just because there are things. That don't exist now. That will exist when our parent children are teenagers, and it'll be something new for us to combat. So, so for me, um, I've I've dedicated. Uh, I've always said to myself that I need to constantly be on my toes with anything new, um, you know, that comes. You know, even when it comes to studies, behavioral studies, because all of those things are changing, um, and not every For example, I am only thirty-one, but I didn't have social media while I was in school, you know, while I was in high school, and that's that's a dynamic I have not experienced, you know, you know the concept of you know being bullied in school and then being bullied on the internet is something that I have not had to experience, even though I'm only thirty-one, you know. But my sisters, who are four years younger than me, um, did experience they 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 did have social media and um i I don't think i even had internet on my phone while i was in school you know Uh, (laughs) the phone phone was play snake and you know but my sisters only four years younger than me had a completely different school experience so now when i think about my children uh, who are three and one now how much uh development there will be things you know they say we're in the information age things are moving a lot faster so I do think now whether we take advantage of the information we have available is another thing but I do think we have enough tools around us to be equipped enough to look at things differently because a lot of them a lot of the gen x's for example not everyone liked what they experienced from their parents they may have appreciated it but their you know, underneath their appreciation, they are still suffering mentally and emotionally some way or some form, right? But they didn't know what to do with that. Now, for us millennials, we understand, okay, our parents did their best. They did what they, they knew. But the reality is this still affected me in this way. And I have to do this to unpack that and heal from that. Even though I appreciate my parents are doing the, the best they could with the information that they had. Uh, we, uh, we're, we know that, okay, there are some aspects of us that put us in, if, if certain things happen, it could bring out something in us that's been dormant, you know, that uh, we don't know, we understand that we need to kind of find what our triggers may be so that we don't, uh, so our children don't feel the negative effects of that, and we don't parent out of fear solely. Whereas I think Gen Xers, they did, you know, parent out of fear, mm-hmm. um, you know, and because we we hadn't progressed in terms of communication, it was more of do what I say and don't question it without giving context because it was very much out of fear. It's like I don't even want to give you, you know, context. I just want you to not do this or do this, you know, without give. And and for a lot of them, it, it was their fear. Um, that, yeah. that was the
0: that was the catalyst that was the factor yeah, you to know their and, relationship
1: exactly and and many of them it does transfer into the workplace when they're speaking to employees you know this this is what I say do it do it <laughs> you know <laughs> you know yeah. but now when you have a majority millennial workforce right there's there's a different psychology involved yeah, you yeah. know yes we're a generation we we need pats on our backs you know we need words of affirmation when if we're doing a good, good good job we want to be told we're doing a good job you know yeah, yeah. these things that have changed so somebody a Gen Xer who wants to have an effective workforce needs to understand that okay the majority of the workforce is now shifting you know from Gen Xers to now Millennials for you to produce uh you know to to, to lead effectively you need to change your leadership.
0: Style. You know, you know, there's a thought there that you shared, which I want, I don't want people to lose sight of is the, the, the need for affirmation in our generation, the millennials. Uh, you know, I, I often wonder if the Gen X is, um, you know, whether or not they don't feel that way. I mean, I feel like a Gen X that does a good job, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to lead in different capacity and lead, uh, to your point earlier, there's also the cultural perspective. But I'm yeah. fortunate to lead folks who are older than me. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting to see, you know, that they as well appreciate the affirmation, uh, you know. But, but, you know, and this is probably more a question for them than it is for you and I as millennials. But, you know, it's interesting that we as millennials, it's been, we've seen it written that, Affirmation is something that we, we strongly, um, we, we live on. It's like a, you know, it's the, yeah. it's the substance, the f- food in which we, we eat. I want to go somewhere else. And so I just, the last thought about that was whether or not the um, Gen Xs also want to, I think they do questions whether or not they apply that to us as the, them being our leaders. Um, I want to go somewhere else. You touched on something that I'm, uh, that is near and dear to my heart, which is mental health. Uh, you know, mental health. Um, and, you know, as we talk about being, you being unique, you have, you're multicultural. Yeah. Um, you're, you, you grew up with different generations at different points in time. Yep, yep. And, um, and so you've seen differences, like you are somewhat of a melting pot. Do you think that there is a cultural connotation or there's a cultural factor to mental health even within the millennials. In other words, yeah. is there, you know, cause you touch on it. You said that at, within millennials, yeah. you know, we're probably more receptive to unearthing, to di- diagnose them, to being open, to identify what our triggers are. We're willing to ask questions. We want to know, is this, is just a why, why, why? We, we ask yeah. the five whys that, you know, Simon Sinek says. But right. when it gets to certain things, to your point earlier on code switching, where you are in different environment, do you think that there's a cultural factor uh, within the millennials when it comes to mental health?
1: Oh, definitely. I think you know whether we like it or not, our parents are big influences um, on us. So there is a cultural aspect to it, depending on what you know um, culture you're from and their attitude towards mental health, um, and the language that's used to describe mental health in that community. Okay. Of- so let me, let me, let me just bring something in. I want you to touch on the cultures in which you're speaking
0: to. So you're Nigerian, American, yep. you're Nigerian, you're British Nigerian. Yep. You live in America, you work with, and, and, you know, in our church, we're predominantly Nigerian Americans. Definitely. Touch on some of that as we talk to millennials, speak to it in those terms.
1: Yeah, I think, for with Nigerians, the um, from what I've experienced, uh the the concept of mental health is—I mean, it's getting better with the younger generation. But from growing up, the attitude towards it was um wasn't very good. It wasn't really taken seriously as as a it being a thing. Um, I'm trying to remember yeah it wasn't you know even something um not simple but something popular like depression was um was not seen as you know an actual you know chemical chemical you know diagnosis you know it was more of you know um like it just wasn't taken seriously and in some aspects of the nigerian community it still isn't um it's like it they 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 equate depression with sadness even even amongst millennials even amongst millennials you know less so but millennials who are heavily involved with their culture or heavily uh in their culture and they've not um i guess they 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 they, they've not challenged some aspects of their culture because Mm. you know which i understand because they they it aligns with based on their upbringing. It aligns with what they were taught by their parents, mm. you. Know, and they've not really deviated from that, or you know, so so for some, yeah, they 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 still hold the same view um, as their parents, you know. And yeah, it it, it is interesting because it's like okay, we do have the information out there, but we do see how influential. Influential and how important I guess enculturation is. Uh, I think the uh, Malaysian and those yeah. Things. So yeah. there's a uh, uh, you're you're situated uh, culture the the culture you learn in your home and the, the culture you learn, you know, outside. Some people um, they, they they the the culture they learn in the home always outweighs whatever they learn from outside some there's a balance between some they don't really value anything they learn at home and they mm. learn you know so mm. so in a way it is an individual uh thing and how they process information how they've uh you know because culture is learned so it, it's it's it, it it's it is heavily reliant on um their parents and I'll mention something because and, and to give an example of uh uh culture and some of them do despite knowing the knowledge you know gen x is working in you know a field let's you know i'll take one of one of my parents for example works in the you know in the psychiatric field so understands the concept of uh psychiatric nursing and all of that stuff but struggles to apply that to themselves personally oh you know so even though one of my parents have worked in that field throughout, helping people, you know, with alcoholism, helping people with depression, you know, all of that stuff. But when it when it, when it came to me suggesting, you know, um, um, suggesting for them to seek counsel and to to seek therapy, the response was, you know, no, I don't need that. I'm fine, you know, mm-hmm. even though they're clearly not, because the things that they were mentioning, you know, in terms of you know the, the way they see the world and the way they see certain situation when i when i listen to the word words it it stems from childhood Mm. you know and you know it and as a millennial i'm i have to i guess i'm equipped to empathize and humanize my parents to Mm. you know to say you know what they didn't have they don't they didn't have the tools you know they're battling they're battling Mm. with their culture and their generation even though they have the knowledge of um you know the knowledge.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Having having the That's having the, the knowledge,
0: but the application and the understanding yeah, so, is so they, two different they, things.
1: Yeah. So they can apply it to people who they feel is aren't of their culture.
0: Right. And it's can, like it, yeah. it's like do what I say, not yeah. what I do kind of thing. So
1: I think a lot of them have that mental battle also. And mm. um you know mental health is still uh quite synonymous to weakness um for for many of them um and for some reason gen x's they they do pride themselves of uh with having stuff rough and a lot of their a lot of their uh their attitude towards us is that we're soft and you know we don't you know whereas for us we you know well kind of like you know if 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 there's another way which we don't have to struggle, we won't willingly take the struggle just because, you know, just like we, we won't, you know, yes, you, there's uh driving with stick or driving, right? Riding, but yeah. I just want to get from A to B. So
0: <laughs>
1: I, I, just, am, I am but chuckling. I, but, but my dad would say, that's not real driving. Whereas me, I don't care because nobody looks at what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. I'm getting from A to B and that's all I want to do. But that's an idea of the generational difference where my dad is like, you know, that's not real driving. What about in an emergency, blah, 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 blah. I'm 31 now. I've never had that emergency where I've had to drive <laughs> no car for where, no where you've had to freestyle and neutral. Yeah, and you know. So cars. that gives you an indication of that mindset. And that
0: also has to do with the environment, by the way. Yeah, right? exactly. You, know, you, you grew up in parts of Africa where most of the cars are stick shifted. Right. Cars might work on a Tuesday and maybe not on right. a Wednesday. You have to be able to you know, exactly you know, and my dad is out of gear and pushing my dad and... has
1: now lived in uh England longer than he's lived in Nigeria but yet <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah still... <laughs> my dad, and my dad is heavily influenced by his own father my, like nice. my my uh my dad's uh dad is like my dad's hero oh. you know so a lot of um even for my dad there's there's things that I'm discussing with him now that you know uh it's a, a general a lot of the things he quotes from his dad but their generation don't question they don't question anything mm. you know nothing mm. so when I, as I'm having conversations with my dad now about the things that he used to quote back in the day um you know just little things like um you know when my dad comes home we run upstairs or we you know I would ask my dad you know why, you know why why, why was that something you quoted when we were younger like was that Was that something? Was that something you wanted from us? (laughs) You know, he couldn't really answer it. He 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 just said, you know, you know that respect. And I said, okay, Dad, is that respect or is that fear? Fear. And then he was like, I mean, he was like, I mean, yeah, we were scared of him, but you know, we we did that because we respected him. (laughs) Oh, dummy, this is good. You know, so and obviously, as me as a millennial, yeah, if I walk in the house and everyone scatters. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait, wait a minute. What's going on? All, I, I, I want you all to love me. Yeah. So give the, me a hug. <laughs> yeah, so the concept of uh. dad coming home, everyone's scattering, and he sits down and starts reading a newspaper, and everything's <laughs> – that's okay? Like, yes, he's home. Like, that was what his dad wanted or felt mm. like he needed to assert himself to make sure mm. that – you know, his children knew who Ooh. was boss. Whereas for me, I, if my if my child doesn't run up to me, I'm yeah. like, yo, what's what's up? Yeah, you had dude. a bad day? I it like, it's like, yo, what's what's going on? I've about been this. gone all day. What's going <laughs> you know? on? Right. So it's so interesting. And and now you know, I'm, I'm 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 able to have conversations. And you know, I have a dad who he he, he he'll listen. He'll he'll listen, and he'll he'll actually laugh. When I ask him, because so, because some questions I ask, he just doesn't have the answers to. So they, they just they just didn't question anything from their their parents, oh. you know. So that's so the, then we are now they,
0: questioning them,
1: right? And and we're questioning everything, and they don't always have the answers because yeah, they've they've been told to do stuff without any real great explanation, you know. They've deduced their own explanation based on you know the appeared outcomes you know based on how they've turned out so they've you know based on the actions they saw what they were told without any context they've deduced their own right and they they use that to now speak to 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 people like myself and you um so when when we now question it it's it's difficult and one of the things my lecture my lecturer in college always used to say you know when we would, with teaching, learning, you know, audio engineering, they used to say, we have to learn the science and the concepts so well that we can explain it to a five-year-old. That's when you know, you you understand, you know, the true meaning behind something, when you can really explain it in layman's terms, right? No matter how difficult the concept is, if you know something very well, you can use analogies to help um, make somebody understand it without having to, throw a lot of jargon on them so now relate that to a lot of the concepts and discipline and stuff that they were instructed to do not all of them knew the reasons why their parents were doing it they they did it themselves yeah
0: let me ask you this i think you know just to give grace and you do that well you've done that you started off my first question to you 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 looked glass half full you know you you went similarities versus differences so you give grace in your description but Definitely. could it be that they um, and they being you know the Gen X's and, and and you know late boomers or whatnot, could it be that they saw the outcome of um, the effort and they saw the the they saw things as I turned out well or my dad turned out Definitely. or my mom turned out well. So if if the product, if the end product justifies the mean, then you know I may not understand it right now. But, you know, I'm willing to go through it. And, and here's where I bring, you know, you know, the Bible as well. There are many things that um, that that the Holy Spirit would ask us to do, you know, that in that moment we may not understand. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of like a, a child, a five year old where you tell um, don't touch that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to your point, you know, if it's fire to your point, you ought to be able to as much as possible explain it. But there's some things that are experiential. There's right, some things that right. you can't, that, you know, you, you have to experience it to a certain point to understand yep. it, understand or it. you learn from other people's experiences. And yep. so in other words, you can look at what someone else did and say, okay, this, they turned out well as a result of this. Cause that's some of the things that mo- folks might say, well, I turned out okay. The way I was raised. So why can't yep. I raise child that same way? Why can't I, you know, why can't I manage my team that way? Why can't I lead that way? Because I turned out well. You see the end result. We want to be like this people. These are our poster, right. you know. And and I I wonder if it's the environment has changed. The factors that are today are different from the factors that are yesterday. And so those yep. same skills, that, those that same assets, those same things that worked then may not work now because back then there was there, there was. They, you were the single source of truth as a parent, yeah. as a teacher. That was it. Now, yeah. while, while you're telling me what you want me to do, I'm Googling and I can finish this yeah. for you. You know, I can even go one step further, yep. you know, and what you're trying to give me. You want to give me in bite sizes, yeah. but I just got a cliffhanger no. version. There are books that you can literally read a 10 minute version of a 300 page book and you get the yeah. nuggets of
1: right so there's a grace. in that yeah oh they they deserve so much grace because i can't imagine uh raising children uh and in between raising children all of these new as an adult all of these things come up new that i now and what it means to be a parent changes as i'm parenting teenagers for example you know between when they're 13 and 19 all of this stuff is introduced. Now, all of the thing, all what I knew about being a parent, I literally have to throw out the window and I need to yeah. I have to learn on the fly. Even though as a parent, you have to learn on the fly anyway. Right, you know, so right. I have, you know, immense uh you know empathy for Gen X's because things, you know, things um moved a lot slower. I I I, I bet you when a boomer and a Gen X talk and speak about their school experience, they'll find a lot of similarities because things move slower. You'll probably find that both of them had blackboards, right, with chalk, right? Even though there's all of these years between them, right? You, 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 you'll, you'll find all of that there. Right. I Earlier, I said that me and my sister's uh, school experience was different. I had whiteboards, but as I was coming out, they they started putting in the interactive boards where the boards was literally like computers. Computer you know, BS. to give you an indication of how things, how fast things were, were changing. So I think one thing that some Gen Xs have been able to do is to uh, grasp the fundamentals and use the fundamentals to, you know, find a new way of being impactful despite what generation you're speaking to. because at the end of the day the goal is the same right so there are a few fundamentals that you can use despite what generation and just kind of tweak some stuff depending on who you're speaking to and use that to be effective you know as a leader and as a parent
0: awesome but yeah dummy hey, i i more than appreciate your time and and you know kind of just to cliff note some of our discussions so far you know we talked about how you were fortunate um to to grow up in a home where you had your grandparents, uh, had your yeah. grandma who is also who was a, a post-war um, from a generational timeline, and who who sought the importance of you know teaching you to uh, to be multicultural um, and to be able to code switch, to be able to right. you know work in different environments, work with different people, but to also um, love with correction, um, yeah. you know, and she loved you and your sisters and, and, and grandchildren with correction, also explain the consequences. And, and then we, we switched off and talked about how there might be some cultural factors, even within said millennial generation um, that mm-hmm. may, may also affect how we relate with one another as family. And so back to my original discussion on you know, life and purpose, you know I work off uh, faith, fitness, family, focus, finance, and friends, and this kind of falls into that family bucket. Um, because yeah. how we relate with our loved ones are, you know, our children, our parents our you know, it, it is a family affair. And then even if you want to take it to a work environment, you know, some of the folks that we work with, you know, are folks that you spend as much time at, at, with these people, and they kind of become family. And so how you relate with yeah. them, you know, I kind of want to think of it as how you would relate with a family member. And so, you know, one of the things that we we landed on was, you know, to be, you know, I don't know if sympathetic is the word, probably more empathetic because you can't, sympathetic is when you put yourself in their situation. I think at least being empathetic of the different yeah, generations. Yeah. And and then really, seemed, you know, one one listening, I think we spent a lot of time talking about the Gen Xs and, you know, yeah. some of the things that, that may be different about their, their timeline, uh, but, but being empathetic of whatever generation it is and understanding that in their dispensation, there were some factors beyond their control that they may not have been able to, Um, decipher. Um, Now, we in our generation as millennials, we ought to be more diagnostic, we ought to be more open, um, and we shouldn't pick and choose parts of our culture that we want to use and work for us. Like a man shouldn't just be selective, as you know what, you know, in my culture, I'm head. you know, and many of us are guilty, but, you know, we we need to, we need to look at what's great about all, uh, work on the foundations and apply it to the new, new knowledge that we have, application, of that knowledge you wanted to say something
1: before yeah, you know, I, I, I was going to say therein lies you know a bit of the, the negative aspect of the millennials in that you know in a way we are a bit because of the things that we've experienced it has made us quite a selfish generation in that we we see through we see things through our lens solely and we're not always able to empathize because obviously A lot of the way we see things is what's a reality now and what's present now and what's true now we don't always think that okay it's true now but you know there's a there's a lot of life that's happened before we existed so you have to give them grace because a lot of things change where we're used to change because we grew up with change you know they didn't grow up in the same change happened a lot slower at a different pace the information age so we're guilty of not giving grace often and and almost not really valuing sometimes you know the 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 principles that are still important even if we have different opinion about the application of it but the principles itself they're still valuable but for some millennials we dismiss it all you know Uh, but there's value in our elders and the ones who came before us um, so I think there is an onus on us to kind of meet them halfway and and, um, and empathize with them and realize that what is a norm for us, what's normal for us, isn't for them. And we have to try and imagine that, okay, we're a lot of millennials, we're stuck in our ways because we're adults. Now, imagine being stuck in your ways and then experiencing all of these real life changes. Imagine going to your work, you're using paper all day, and now they say no more paper. We're using computers. Now.
0: You know. <laughs> yeah. Imagine
1: yeah. being an adult when all of these. Okay, now we're using phones. You know, right. everyone's gonna. Now we're using the internet. Now we're using um, this CRM. Now everything that we used to document in file cabinets, we're now documenting it in, in, in a cloud. Imagine being an adult and what it means for you to be a good employee is constantly changing what it means for you to be a leader is changing what it means for you to be a parent is changing all at the same time Time. so i think millennials we we need to give grace because a lot of these things happened when we did not have responsibility
0: I do have a final question that's somewhat unrelated. And here's the question. What would Damia Durye, what would you say to a younger version of yourself? So you're, you're 31 now, um, you know, um, and uh, a younger version of you uh, say 21. What advice would you give a younger version of you at 21 um, in order to live their full
1: existence on purpose? I need to sit down with him for a whole week. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I was younger, um, I, I everywhere I went, I, it just seemed like there was always I had uh, a lot of expectations on me, and I I kind of always used to run away, you know, from it or question it at every turn. Every time I was given responsibility, it was kind of like why me? And um, you know the things that. You know, my sister's looking up to me, the things that, you know, I have, a, didn't do because of the pressure I felt. Um, I'll tell my younger self to embrace it, that God has a purpose for it. Um, Yeah, embrace it, God has a purpose for it. Um, Because now, now I'm seeing, I'm seeing that, you know, God, um, yeah, I realized, I, I now know how to handle it. Um, And I now know that any ability that God gives you, it's not for you, it's for the betterment of his people. Uh, That's the whole sermon, sir. Right. You know, (laughs) so I realized that, yeah, you know, people are drawn to my personality. um, And um, God uses me to to have a positive impact on people when they're with me. Um, And I tell my younger self that, yeah, embrace that. That, you know it's for a reason it's not for you but it's for a reason you know and he, he has a, a a plan plan for it you know and and, I, and i'm starting to see the the manifestation of it now at 31 but i'll definitely tell my 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 20 year old 21 year old self yeah stop running <laughs> stop running from it yeah. stop running from what god has in store for you yeah that's awesome yeah. that's awesome
0: yeah.